0: Hi everyone, and welcome to God's Plan Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Hey everybody, welcome back. Today we're looking at First Corinthians nine to eleven. In the in the grand scheme of First Corinthians, it seems like there's a little bit less packed into these couple chapters, Uh, but there are some things worth pointing out and bringing attention to. Uh, The first one is chapter nine basically spends a lot of time uh, Paul kind of defending himself, uh, pointing out the fact that he has never taken advantage of the Corinthian church. He did not come into the Corinthian church to try to uh, take their money or uh, get rich off of what he was doing. He does make the the case um, that it would not be wrong for him to make a living by preaching the gospel. In fact, he says that he would be entitled to compensation. He's allowed to make a living from just preaching the gospel, but Paul pretty universally uh, tries to not do that. Uh, I think we read earlier in Thessalonians, I believe, that he was not taking advantage of the people. Um, He was not trying to make money off of them. Here in Corinthians, apparently, he was also not trying to make money off of them. There are times where Paul is uh, making a living from preaching the gospel, but not in Corinthians. And it's obvious that he doesn't want to ever be accused um, of trying to lead people to believe something so that they will financially support him. And I think, honestly, Paul gives us a, a pretty good example. It's, it's kind of a balanced perspective uh, where he's saying, hey, it's, it's not wrong for a pastor to be paid to deliver the gospel and shepherd his people, but it is a dangerous thing. Um, it it can be a tricky thing where a pastor becomes overwhelmed by the love of money. Actually, we'll see that Paul teaches Timothy uh, that nobody who loves money is fit to be an elder or overseer in the church. Uh, that's coming in First Timothy. And then he also says uh, in Second Timothy that a sign of the end of the age will be that people will turn to loving money. So Paul's very aware of money and the allure that it has, the idolatry that it carries with it. And here he's teaching in a a kind of a cautious manner uh, that money can kind of distort our view of what it means to preach and teach the gospel. It can lead people away from teaching the true gospel. Uh, And I think in our our culture today, it's easy for pastors to fall into uh, shying away from preaching the gospel, uh, shying away from teaching hard truths, Uh, Because when you start to teach hard truths, people start to leave your church. And so I think Paul is wise in saying that he wasn't asking for money when he was preaching in Corinth. Um, It it also makes sense that, you know, he's he's writing these very direct letters. It was just in chapter 5 that he was calling out uh, open sin in the Corinthian church. Uh, It might have been a little bit more difficult for him to do that if he was being paid full time to be a pastor in this church. Uh, so there is some real-world application to this. Uh, it's not wrong to pay your pastor. Your pastor works very hard, uh, keeps a pretty full schedule, I'm sure, and is kind of on call 24/7. So there's nothing wrong uh, with a pastor being paid to share the gospel. Uh, but it is something to be careful about because it is very easy to fall into loving only money, and it is very easy to twist the gospel because you love money. And and I think. Uh, people that are falling into that, they might not even be twisting the gospel. Uh, they might just not be preaching certain things. Um, it's I think it's a pretty common critique, uh, where certain churches refuse to touch on certain topics, um, where certain celebrity pastors refuse to say where they stand on certain contentious issues. And I think, you know, at the very root of that, it comes back to a money issue. They're afraid that they would lose income or they're Their church would lose income because of taking a stance. So um, Paul's saying here, like, hey, you can believe me because I'm not trying to take money from you. I'm just trying to bless you uh, with the gospel. Uh, Then he moves into this um, teaching on idolatry, kind of this teaching on uh, the freedom that we have in Christ. A very clear problem in the Corinthian culture and, and other cultures as well. Uh, would have been that a lot of the meat in the meat markets uh, had been sacrificed to idols. So when new Christians were coming to Christ, they had this problem uh, where they couldn't actually discern what foods had been sacrificed to idols and which hadn't because it was so common. And so Paul tells them, hey, you have freedom. Um, we We have life in Christ. You can eat things that have been sacrificed to idols unless... Uh, You're going to visit somebody and they tell you, hey, we just we just sacrificed this out back. Um, You're free to eat it. Then you have to reject it. So the the idea here is that when we are aware um, that idolatry has taken place, we want to be a witness with the decisions that we make. And I think it's a I mean, we're not really dealing with that kind of stuff um, in this day and age. But there are times, I think, when we might become aware of sin that otherwise we might not have been aware of. Uh, you might be, become aware of something that is an affront to God. And I think you could use this 1 Corinthians chapter 10 passage uh, to make the case that when you become aware of something that is sinful, uh, you can call that out and you should call that out. If you don't know about it, you can't say anything about it. Um, but if you do become aware of something, it is actually respectful and honoring of God to do so it's a little bit of a stretch um to pull that out of first Corinthians ten, but I don't think it's too big of a stretch. So Paul closes out first Corinthians ten with this passage uh this is verse thirty one so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. This is a really powerful passage um because he's reminding the Corinthian church and he's done this before in um in several chapters. Uh, just reminding them that no matter what you do, make sure everything you do is reflecting the power of Christ, the authority of Christ, um, and that you are a witness to the world. It, it reminds me a lot of uh, the passage in Colossians uh, that says, "When you work, you should work for the Lord, uh, as to the Lord, and not for men." Like the things that we do are important, um, even like the the tiny little things that we do here. Paul's saying, "What you eat and what you drink, make sure you honor God." with how you do that. It's a good encouragement for us today uh, to do exactly that. Now, 1 Corinthians 11 is really interesting. Uh, Me growing up in a Mennonite church and a Mennonite culture, uh, this is the head covering passage. uh, So it might matter more to me than it does to you if you didn't grow up in that culture and context. Um, But Paul's basically teaching in this Corinthian church uh, that there is an order to how worship should happen. Um, he's going to spend the first half of the chapter talking about how men and women should conduct themselves in church. Then he's going to spend the last half of the chapter talking about how uh, the Lord's Supper should be conducted. So really, the entire chapter is about conduct in the churches, order in the churches. And Paul is actually going to uh, elaborate on this as we continue into 1 Corinthians, further into 1 Corinthians in the next couple of days, of uh, what it looks like to have order in your church. Um, when, when it comes to head coverings, um, I, I guess maybe this is just a selfish selfish perspective, but coming from a Mennonite background, um, Paul's telling women that their heads should be covered. And it's it's funny to me that I heard that passage several times, uh, but I never heard the, um, just, just a couple verses later, uh, if a woman has long hair, this is verse 15. But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory for her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. So basically what Paul is saying, and some of this is cultural for this Corinthian context, Uh, women when they come to churches should be respectful of their husbands and mindful of their husbands and uh, a wife and a husband should mutually submit to each other as they submit to God and he's suggesting that a a woman should have her head covered Uh, but then he also says that her hair is provided to her for a covering so growing up Mennonite um I didn't necessarily do this, uh, we didn't do this in our family, but many, many families around us, like women wore head coverings sometimes all the time, sometimes just in church. Uh, but the passage actually says that your hair is a covering for your head. So I don't, I don't know that that's necessary to do. And I think there's, there's undoubtedly a cultural piece here present um, where Paul is recommending to the Corinthian church uh, that that there should be this covering in place and again, I think it's he says like there is a covering necessary, but hair is provided for a covering uh, and you do have to recognize that he does say uh, there is no such practice here, nor do the churches of God practice um, these things. So there's a clear uh, call to submission. there's going to be more of that, but Paul usually calls out um, wives submitting to their husbands, but also, um, mutually submitting to each other out of care and concern for each other. Later on, Paul's going to write in Ephesians uh, that husbands have to love their wives as Christ loved the church. So husbands actually have the harder command, and we'll talk about that when we get to Ephesians. Now, the the Lord's Supper passage is interesting, too, because apparently the Corinthians, when they were coming together for the Lord's Supper, they were just throwing like giant raucous parties. Uh, people were actually getting drunk. Um, when it came time to celebrate the Lord's table, and then other people were going hungry. So you had extreme opposites taking place, and most likely this is coming out of the divisions that were present in the church. So Paul tells them that, hey, when you celebrate the Lord's table, when you do the Lord's supper, uh, today we've kind of watered it down a little bit. We call it communion. Um, What they would have been doing would have been a little bit uh, bigger deal, Uh, than just passing tiny little cups and tiny little wafers around. These concepts still hold true for us. Uh, Paul's basically teaching that, hey, this is an important thing. This is a solemn thing. Um, There should be no division among you when you remember Christ's sacrifice for you, and the things that you do should be honoring to him. So he encourages us to examine our lives, um, examine our motivations, our thoughts, just examine who we are when we do this in remembrance of Jesus. And Paul tells the Corinthian church that because they've been doing this in an unworthy manner, uh, the Lord is judging them and many of them are sick and many of them have died. Um, he he also says that when you do this in an unworthy manner, you drink a cup of cursing upon yourself. So this is no joke. Um, and I think it, it should remind us even today to take communion very seriously. Um, this is not something that you do just to fill time in a service. This is not something you do uh, just to, you know, fill the thing you have to do every quarter or every month or whatever. This is a really important thing that we do to commemorate the, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And we want to make sure that we are doing it in the right spirit and from the right heart. Uh, and I think when we water this down, uh, we put ourselves in a dangerous place. I think when we encourage people to do this who do not understand what they're doing, uh, we put ourselves in a dangerous place, and we need to to exercise some caution here. It's, it's fantastic. It's, it's a powerful thing to commemorate um, the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus through communion. Uh, but we do need to be mindful of the fact that Paul actually taught the Corinthian church that when you do this in an unworthy manner, you curse yourselves, uh, and you end up with sickness and death because of it. So we do need to take this seriously. Um, so I think the your part for today, you can probably round up a couple if you want to, but the most powerful one for me is the, the thing that Paul says at the end of chapter 10, um, whatever you eat or drink, do so for the glory of God. I just want to encourage you, whatever you are doing today, uh, maybe you're headed into work, maybe you're headed home, uh, whatever you're doing do it for the honor and glory of God and and just take i just encourage you to take a couple of minutes today um, before you walk into your house before you walk into your office before you walk onto the job site and and literally think okay what would it look like for me to honor God uh, with what I'm about to do today and then make sure you actually act on that um, so i hope you're encouraged by that i am enjoying our time in first Corinthians tomorrow we'll be back going through first Corinthians 12 to 14. we'll see you then Bye. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan Your Part. Don't forget, it is always more important that you listen to God's words rather than our words. So please stick around to hear the reading for the day uh, or go and find it in the Bible and read it yourself. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave a rating and write a review on whatever platform you are using to listen to us. Now that we have all that out of the way, here is the reading for today. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and to drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brothers of our Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it for oxen that God is concerned? Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake, because the plowman should plow in hope, and the thresher should thresh in hope, and of sharing in the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything, rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ." Do you not know that those who are unemployed in the temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. But I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me ground for boasting." For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control lest after preaching to others myself should be disqualified. Chapter 10 For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters, if some of them were, as it is written, The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did, and twenty-three thousand fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation he will also provide a way of escape, All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on the ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any questions on the grounds of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it. For the sake of the one who informed you, and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of what for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, But that of many, that they may be saved. Chapter 11. Be imitators of me, as I am of Christ. Now I commend you, because you remember me in everything, and maintain the traditions, even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head, since it is the same as if her head were shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and the glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord woman is not independent of man, nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so man is now born of woman. And all things are from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is her glory, for her hair is given to her for a covering. If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. But in the following instructions I do not commend you, because when you come together it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for the judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.